Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. The southern kingdom is emptied out. There is nothing left of the southern kingdom. The state of Israel is now demolished. There is no more Israel. All right, it's completely emptied. There's nothing left. The inhabitants are exiled. The temple is burnt. Their kings are taken to Babylon. Technically, the only thing they have are the promises of God. All right, so we need to understand that this is the most tragic day in Israel's history. Now, I want you to understand the ninth of Av. Say it with me, Tisha B'Av. The most tragic day in Israel's history. Okay, this is what happened in 587 BC. But hundreds of years later, after the Jews returned back to the land, began to rebuild the land, rebuilt their temple, and began to exist again under foreign rulers, but began to exist and began to operate as a nation again. On the very same day, on the very same ninth of Av, hundreds of years later in 70 AD, Jesus prophesied not one stone will be left upon another. On the very same day, hundreds of years later, we go into repetition. History repeats itself. The very same day the temple burns to the ground, there is nothing left. Are you with me that the people that are living in Jerusalem are exiled? Thus begins the wars with Rome. And by the time the Romans are finished with, with the, the rebellion in, in the land of Palestine at the time, Jewish Palestine, first century Jewish Palestine, by the time the Romans are finished, it's flattened. There's nothing left. And there are no Jews living in Israel. It is forbidden for any Jew to live in Israel, and they are taken as slaves to Rome. Do you see this? There's a way the Romans crushed Israel. So the question arises, why on the same day? Now we're going to go even further into what looks like a coincidence, but it's not a coincidence. It's divine providence. Okay, we're going to see that the day the walls were breached, was the 17th of Tammuz. Didn't we just hear that from the young man, the 17th of Tammuz, which is today? Say it, this is today. This is today. The 17th of Tammuz in the year 587 BC, the same time, the three weeks, then Tisha B'Av happens, the temple burns. The same thing happened under the Roman rule. 70 AD on the 17th day of the month of Tammuz, the walls are breached the exact same day by the Romans. So the question arises, why? How can it possibly be that these tragedies happen on the same day, hundreds of years apart? All right, one, one wonderful um, way we can discern this is what actually happened in Israel's history to make Israel so vulnerable to these types of attacks against it. And we must understand, go with me to Numbers chapter 13. And we're going to see in Numbers chapter 13, this is when Moses sent the spies 
into the promised land. And they came back with a lash and horror upon the land. They came back with an evil report. The Bible says in, uh, in Numbers 13, verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying in verse 2, send men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel, and it shall be from every tribe you shall send a man. All right, so the spies went into the land for 40 days. All right, and they came back with not the report of the Lord. If you notice, beloved saints, looking at verse 25, you will see, looking at verse 25, and they returned from searching the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and in the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh. And they brought back word unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Well, that sounds great. Look at this fruit. It's so abundant. They told him and they said, the land where you sent us surely flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people that dwell in the land are strong. And the Bible goes on to tell us that they were very afraid because they saw the children of Anak there. Who are the children of Anak? That's a question. Okay, the children of Anak are the descendants of the giants. The giants we read about in Genesis chapter six. Okay, let's just look at that for one second. I'm not gonna take you on a sidebar, but I just want you to be educated. When they say giants, we're talking about real giants. Okay, Genesis chapter six, looking at the word, it says it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, that daughters were born unto them. And the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were very fair, looking at verse three. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for he is also flesh and the days of his years will be 120 years. Now watch this, verse four. And there were what? Giants. Everyone say it. Read it, one, two, three. Giants. There were giants in the earth. Okay, so this word in the Hebrew language is the word raphaim, all right? Or actually, um, this word actually is nephilim. Nephilim, say it with me, nephilim. Nephilim. Say it again, nephilim. Nephilim. Okay, the nephilim were huge. And this word Nephilim has a root. The root of the word Nephilim is Nephal, which means fall down. It means to weaken and it means to fall. Okay, so the destiny of every giant is to what? Fall. Say the destiny of every giant is to what? So I don't need to be afraid of a giant because God already created the giant to fall. Somebody should turn to their neighbor and say, giants, they fall. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to say, giants, they fall. Amen. The destiny of the giant is to fall, beloved. All right. So we see that these giants had descendants. Their descendants were not as terrorizing as the, as the original Nephilim are. These were called the sons of Anak. So the sons of Anak were descendants of the original Nephilim. And when, now we can go back to the spies going into the land. When the spies went into the land, they were terrified because they saw the children of Anak, who were the sons of the Nephilim. Do you all understand this? Yeah. 
All right. And they began to give a series of negative reports against the land of Israel. Why is this so wrong? Why is it so wrong that they went into the land and that they were terrorized, of course, but God had already done what? What did God already do for Israel that they should not have come back with a report like this? Anybody want to tell me? Okay, yes, Michael. Okay, he gave them the land. He defeated Egypt. Awesome. Okay, yes, Dorothy. Made the Red Sea stand up so they could pass right through. Okay, so they, we, they're seeing miracles upon miracles, aren't they? Yes. They're seeing the Red Sea split. They are seeing um, God cause the plagues uh, in Egypt. They left with a mighty hand. They already had miracle after miracle. But more than this, the whole reason they were delivered out of the land of Egypt was that God was faithful to his word to the fathers. The fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so the whole purpose of the Exodus was that God remembered his word because he remembered he promised those descendants the land of Israel. So they're coming back with a negative report. And as a result, chapter 14, verse 1, they lifted up their voice and guess what they did? They wept the whole night. Say it. Chapter 14, verse 1. Let's look at it. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. The Bible says, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept the whole night. Why are they weeping? They're weeping because the spies that returned back gave a negative report, and the children of Israel did not want to go into the land of Israel. They were refusing to go up and take the territory. And notice what they said. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said, can you imagine saying this after God delivered you? Can you imagine after God split the Red Sea for you? Can you imagine after he rained down manna for you? Can you imagine after God proved himself? They are saying, what to God, that we would have died in the land of Egypt and that God would have that, or that we, or that God would, that we died in this wilderness. Oh my goodness, my goodness, what's going on here? Do you think that God is going to allow them to say that about the land he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? No, he is not. So he's going to give them what they want. Tell your neighbor, be careful what you ask God. Be careful what you ask God. Especially when your heart is not right. Especially when your heart is not right. Because he may give you what you've been confessing. Hello, I said hello. Okay, that's exactly what happened. The Lord did not say, you wicked children, I'll never deal with you again. How dare you do this to me? No more manna, no more protection. No, he didn't do that. God doesn't do that. God said, you want this? 40 years? All right, I'm, I've got a deal for you. For every day that the spies went up for 40 days will be a year and you will wander in this wilderness for 40 years and you will not go up and receive the land because they didn't want to. They cried the whole night. All right. And, and God says, but I'm still going to take care of you. I'm still your God. He rained down manna every day. 
He watched them with individual watching. And as a matter of fact, for 40 years, there are no wars. The only war they had was the one war with Amalek when they first came out of Israel. And the only wars that began with other nations were right before the next generation went in to take the promised land because that was training. But all the ones who came out of Egypt never experienced any wars except the war with Amalek. They wandered in the wilderness. Every day they had water out of the rock. Every day God rained down manna from heaven. God took care of them in the wilderness, but they just missed their destiny. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't want to miss my destiny. Say, that would be most tragic. If God had something for me and I missed it, wouldn't that be tragic? Do you know what they did? They wandered around the same mountain for 38 years, Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 14. And so guess what night it was? Guess what day it was? When they decided to weep all night, the ninth of Av. That's the date. All right. Does God say, okay, so throughout your history, I'm going to punish you every single time? No. But that means every time there is, there is, there is that type of sin that's to that degree, that is to that degree of grieving God, God says, you opened up the history. You opened it up because every time, now that's a lot. That's not just a little. That's not just saying, oh, God's going to strike you. God does not strike you. Okay, but they did this to themselves with their own mouths. God didn't do it. They did it with their confession. Do you see that? So throughout history, this is why the ninth of Av has been a very tragic day until somebody should say until. until. Somebody should get ready to shout and say until. Until. Messiah has been promised to Israel, and it is based on the messianic hope that these 21 days are no longer days of mourning and weeping, but a total reversal. They are days of return, recovery. Somebody should praise God. Now, many people may say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't the Messiah come later? And the answer is yes, he did. But did you know something? God took a prepayment. Hello, I said God took a prepayment. I'm going to prove it to you from the word of God. Because Jesus going to the cross was sure. It was negotiated before the foundation of the world. Say it with me. He is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. I want to show you from the book of Zechariah. Let's look and see the promises that are given from the book of Zechariah concerning this season. The Bible says, Zechariah chapter 8 verse 19, hallelujah. Zechariah chapter 8 verse 19 says, beloved saints, Notice what it says. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month, say that's today. That's today. And the fast of the fifth, say that's Tisha B'Av. The fast of the tenth and the fast of the seventh. Let me give you what these fasts are really quickly. The fast of the fourth is the day the walls were breached. 
The fast of the fifth is Tisha B'Av when it was burnt to the ground. The fast of the 10th happened two years prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. It was when the Babylonians surrounded the whole city with their horses, with um, they, they, they besieged the city. The siege started uh, two years before on 1010. Say this with me, two years before, two years before. on 1010. <laughs> so they're looking out their gates and Babylonians are there, thousands of them. And Jeremiah is saying, repent and turn yourselves over to the Babylonians and you will be able to live in this land. Turn yourself over to the Babylonians. Submit to the king of Babylon. Submit to him. Repent um, of, of what kind of sins do they have to repent of? They had to repent of slander in the city. They had to repent for robbing their neighbor. They had to repent for sins, uh, particular sins. Now, I'm going to teach you really intensive Torah, but I know you'll learn it, okay? Or I wouldn't yeah, be teaching it. Good. There is a concept called Malkut David. Can you say that? Okay, Malkut David. Say it again. Okay, Malkut David is the way David, as the king, set up the kingdom in Jerusalem. Number one, he marked out a place called Zion. Zion means marked. Can you say that with me? Zion means marked. Okay, so he isolated a territory in Jerusalem and he called it Zion. Okay, he marked it. We are spiritual Zion. And guess what? We're marked also. We're sealed with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We're sealed with the spirit of promise. So we are spiritual Zion. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Okay, so Zion is marked territory. And he marked it to set up all of his, all of the majesty and royalty of his kingdom. But his royalty was not about him. In Zion, he set up a tabernacle for the Lord. And he put the Ark of the Covenant in it. And he established 24-hour worship every single day. All right. All of the gates in Zion were places of judgment. What does that mean? Judgment on the enemy to bring the enemy down. You're going to use a judge claver and say you're guilty. Is that what that means? No, it does not. Executing judgment means that the gates of the city, gates, say with me, gates. gates. The gates in all of the cities of, of, of Israel had to be established because the gates were places of refuge where people could go when they were being um, when they were being oppressed by their neighbor. Let's just say there was a poor widow. And let's just say her family rented property from a very rich landowner. And let's say that her husband also was involved in renting the property from the rich landowner and they could not earn a living except through the agricultural um, skills that they had in renting from a rich landowner. But let us say that widow's husband passed away and she now has to pay the debt on the land and the rich landowner is saying, you're going to pay. And she is saying, but 
I don't have any means to pay. And he's saying, okay, then your son belongs to me for seven years. Okay, or he's saying, you're gonna have to, um, your children are gonna have to work from like three in the morning till 10 at night, and they're not gonna get paid because they're gonna work off this land. Where will they go? How can that be allowed? So gates were established in the city and the poor could run to the gates and the judges in the city would hear the case and it was a place of vindication for the poor. So they could say, you cannot do this. You cannot oppress this widow. You cannot do this. You cannot take this money illegally. You cannot do this. You cannot make this orphan work 20 hours. You cannot do this. Okay, that's called executing judgment. Can you say that with me? Say, that's Malkut David. Okay, the whole city got corrupted. They began bribing. They began robbing the poor. They began robbing the widows. They completely took Malkut David out of the city. This is why. Go back up to, this is verse 19. Go back up to verse 15 and look. The Bible says, so again, I have thought in these days to do well to Jerusalem. This is the prophet after it's destroyed. And to the house of Judah, fear not. But these are the things that you will do. Speak every man truth to his neighbor and execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. That means you have to defend the poor. That means you cannot allow a widow to be taken advantage of. That means that you need to be a defender and a voice for the voiceless. Are you hearing me? If you are, say amen. 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 Say, that's Melchud David. Isn't that a great kingdom? How many of you think that's a great kingdom? Look at Psalm 72. So you're going to understand this throne that was established by David that the Messiah is going to sit on. Look at Psalm 72 that says, Give judgment to the king, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. The Bible says, For he shall judge the people with righteousness and what? I didn't hear you. The poor with justice, meaning... There's going to be some vindication. Set with me. Vindication. vindication. Validation. Validation. Watch this. Let's go down to verse 6. The verse 6 or verse 7. In all the days, uh, in all his days shall the righteous flourish. And the scripture is going to say he's going to have dominion. Continue on. Notice, um, continue. Notice, uh, all the kings shall fall down before him and all nations shall serve him. Verse 12, one, two, three, everyone read it. For he shall deliver the needy when he cries, the poor falls up and his Okay, does this, does this king love the poor? Yes, yes or no? Yes. Does this king spare the needy? Yes or no? Yes. Does he execute judgment in his kingdom? Does he defend the rights of those who have no voice? Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So if we are part of his kingdom, what should we do? 
If we are part of his kingdom, what should we do? If we're under his rule, shouldn't we love what he loves and hate what he hates? Hello, somebody. Malkut David, say it. Okay, so since this is not a Torah class, I will not give you any more on Malkut David, but you know. Okay, because the contingency of taking back the land Go back to Zechariah chapter 8. The contingency of taking back the land is that we saw here in Zechariah chapter 8, looking at verse 17, the Bible says, let none of you imagine evil in your heart against your neighbor. Love no false oath for all these things I hate, saith the Lord. Now, this is before God is going to make the reversal. He's making some contingencies first. Say tonight, tonight, before the reversal begins, there are some contingencies, some commitments I need to make to the Lord. Say there's not a free pass. Jesus paid it all, but I have to be responsible with grace. Not irresponsible, reckless grace. I will be responsible. So what are we going to do? Oh, my. This is time is going to hurt a little bit. Okay? That means, notice, go back up to verse 15. I want to make sure we got this. Looking at verse 15. I thought to do good. Verse 16, these are the things that you shall do. Say, this is what we need to do before the reversal. These are the things that you shall do. Number one. Speak every man truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. Where's your gates? Mouth gate, ear gate, eye gate. Say it. Mouth gate, ear gate, eye gate. What does it mean to execute? How can I execute? execute judgment with my eye gate. That means if I'm looking at someone, hmm, and I got a little bit of an eyebrow raised, <laughs> and I'm saying, hmm, who do they think they are? Oh, there's that person that's always gossiping. Well, what's going on with my eye? It's twitching a little bit. <laughs> okay, that's, uh, can I give you a little rabbinic idiom? Yes. That means the evil eye. You know what that means? It means in my heart, I have out of my heart, out of the abundance of my heart, I'm judging. Okay? That's an evil eye. It's nothing to do with any kind of superstition. It has to do with a criticalness. Another thing, you see somebody get blessed with something. Maybe they got a new car. Instead of saying, wow, praise God, they got a new car. Jesus, thank you for giving them a new car. Who do they think they are getting that new car? How'd they get that new car? Okay, you know, to see, you know saying, oh, I, they don't deserve that new car. They're always gossiping. Lord, why did you bless them with a new car? I deserve the new car. I pay my tithes. I should have got the new car. How could that person get it? Who do they think they are getting a new car? I should have got it. That is so wicked. I'm going to tell you like it is. 
We need to say, Jesus, they got a new car. Lord, bless them. They deserve it. Lord, I'm so pleased. God, give them double for their shame. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good to them. Okay, we need to get rid of the evil eye. We need to execute judgment in the gates. Are you with me? How about the ear gate? Somebody calls you up and says, oh, Gloria, just pray for so-and-so. That's a danger sign right there. When somebody calls and says, if I know they're calling with a prayer request and it's really a prayer request, they'll say, oh my goodness, this is what's happening with so-and-so. But when they call and they say, oh, I've just got to tell you just to pray. Just to pray? Ding, 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 ding. The alarms are going off. Just to pray for what? Oh, just pray for so-and-so because they were really, they were really doing this, that, and the other thing. And I really need you to pray. Wait a minute. What kind of prayer request is that? That is judging our neighbor falsely, falsely accusing, cleansing the ear gate. See, this is when someone speaks slander against someone else, three people are killed. The person who hears it, the person they speak about, and their own self. Because speaking evil is one of the worst things we can do. So we need to ask God, okay, cleanse the mouth gate, cleanse the eye gate, cleanse the ear gate. And, you know, we all fall. There's nobody here perfect, but thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Come on. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. And the Bible says, verse 17, let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against your neighbor. Love no false oaths, for these are the things I hate, saith the Lord. But the Bible says, the fast of the fourth month, verse 19, and the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth shall be to the house of Judah. No more weeping, no more Tishabov, no more sitting up all night and weeping and mourning over the tears. They shall be to the house of Judah. Joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Therefore, love the peace and the truth. Somebody ought to give God the glory. Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay, before we pray for you, I'm going to share with you some of the promises because these are all promises to Jerusalem. And these are promises because we are spiritual Jerusalem. So let me give you the promises very quickly. I want you, beloved saints, to see that you are spiritual Jerusalem. Go with me first to Galatians chapter 4, looking at verse 26. I'm going to read it very fast. So I want you to go. The Bible shows us. Uh, Galatians 4.26, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free and mother of us all. Say this with me. Jerusalem, which is above, is free and mother of us all. Mother of us all. Okay, I will explain that to you in a moment what that means, so don't start imagining things that will say, wow, that's weird. How can Jerusalem be the mother? We will explain it to you, beloved saints, because it's an endearing term to God. And it's very endearing to God. And he, um, he explains Jerusalem as a mother in the context of the suffering. All right. And then we see that 
if we look at the scripture, go with me, please, beloved, beloved ones, to, to um, Galatians chapter 3, since we're in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, verses 14 and 29. I want you to see that you are a recipient of all God's promises. The Bible says that the blessing of Abraham might come, uh, th might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of, uh, of the Spirit through faith. So all of the promises that God gave to Abraham, all of the promises that God gave to Israel are ours. Did you see that? Look at verse 29. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Say that with me. Heirs according to the promise. That means everything God promised Abraham, everything God promised Israel are yours. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 2, very quickly. We are spiritual Jerusalem. Say it with me. We are spiritual Jerusalem. The Bible says, Revelation chapter 21, verse 2, the Bible says, And I, John, saw the holy city coming down, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. So the new Jerusalem is the bride of Christ. And the last time I checked, the church is the bride of Christ. So all the promises given to Jerusalem are ours. Somebody ought to say there are promises because we are spiritual Jerusalem. So not only are these promises to ancient Jerusalem, not only are these promises to Israel, but they are also, say also, also. say not in place of, not in place because of. anyone who says that the church has replaced Israel is a heretic. Yep. That is not, that is, that is total heresy. Okay. But we also with Israel receive these promises. Say with Israel. We with Israel receive these promises. Come on, somebody. With Israel. We have joined together with Israel. All right. Now, beloved saints, I'm going to show you some of these promises. And I want us to receive right now because in a moment, we are going to receive healing. First of all, I want you to understand the concept of Zion as a mother. Now, this concept of Zion as a mother may seem strange to some of us. It may be very uncomfortable. Has, is anyone here a little bit, un, anyone here a little bit uncomfortable with the term Zion as a mother? Just be honest. Anybody here? Okay, well, it seems like everyone is comfortable, but there are some people that are a bit uncomfortable with the term of Zion as a mother and her children as the children of Zion. And we must understand that, beloved, this is a very endearing term that God used to express his love and to also be able to validate the pain of Jerusalem's wounds because Jerusalem's going to be emptied out and the only way the pain can be validated is by God expressing through the prophets this pain and so 
the prophets used the similitude of a woman bereft of her children, a woman that lost her children to this to the morning in Zion. Do you see that? All right. So that is an endearing term. The enduring endearing term that God used for the inhabitants of Zion are daughter of Zion. Zion as a mother with the inhabitants as her children is actually a term in the language of the prophets that show us that God understands the suffering. Now let's go to Isaiah 54 because today is the day of the breaking. Say it with me. Today's the day of the breaking. Say this is the day the walls broke. So it's a day for my breakthrough. Somebody ought to say breakthrough, not breakdown. Somebody should say it's not a breaking down, it's a breaking through. Okay. I'm going to share with you another event that happened in Israel's history on the 17th of Tammuz, why it's a breaking day. Okay, when Moses went up on the mountain to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, God handed him the Ten Commandments. This is spoken of in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11. Moses did not carve the stone himself. He did that for the second set. The first set was handed by God himself to Moses. Do you get that? And God said to Moses on the 40th day, he said, get down from this mountain for your people have corrupted themselves. What did they do? They were worshiping a golden calf. Say it with me. Worshiping a golden calf. Okay, so we see in verse 17, we see that he w- they were worshiping a golden calf, staying at verse 17. So when Moses came down from the mountain, he took the two stones, and what did he do? He took them, he cast them out of his hands, and what did he do? Broke the two commandments. Guess what day it was? Say, it's today. Okay, so... Today being the day of breaking, okay? But because of Messiah, the breaking is reversed. So it's breakthrough, not breakdown. Somebody should give God the praise because it's time for your breakthrough today. Somebody should say, my breakthrough is about to come. All right, say, I'm claiming my breakthrough right now. Hallelujah. Somebody should give God the praise and give God the glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the first breaking that we're going to see, and I want you to claim it right now in your life. Say, I'm ready to claim my breakthrough this very moment. The very first breaking that you're going to see is Isaiah 54. Turn with me to Isaiah 54. And the Bible says, sing, O barren, that did not bear. 
Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you that did not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. This is a promise Isaiah gave to Jerusalem. Say this with me, a promise to Jerusalem. I'm spiritual Jerusalem. Okay, to understand this promise, let me go over it for a moment. There are two kinds of barrenness in, in ancient times. Two kinds of barrenness. A person who's biologically barren, but that's not what this is about. This is not about a biological barrenness. There's another kind of barrenness that occurred when, uh, let's just say, a young girl was pushing a cart and she was near a cliff. The cart went over the cliff. She fell down a little bit. And as a result of that accident, she became barren. Okay, that is not natural barrenness. That's a barrenness that happened from a sorrowful experience. I'm going somewhere with this. I said that's a barrenness that comes from a sorrowful experience. There are other ways that in ancient world that women became barren. Let's just say that they, they were not born barren. They were born normal and healthy. But let's just say a tragedy happened in the family and there was not enough food to eat. And they drank something that was really not good. It was maybe a little poisonous because the well wasn't healthy, wasn't good water, and they became barren. Okay, so non Non-biological barrenness comes as a result of tragedy. God is speaking to those who have had tragedy and your dreams were not able to be born. Tragedy stopped your dream from coming to pass. All these things that happened in your life stopped you from being able to bear your vision, to bear what God had for you. But now God is saying, sing, O barren, that did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, for more are the children of the desolate than the married wife. That means someone who had an, who, who was desolate from, from the accidents or from a tragedy or from some kind of hurt or sorrow that made them barren. And they are so sorrowful because they had the tragedy and they also couldn't have the children. Some of you in this room, there have been things that have happened to you that have prevented you from going forward into your destiny. Some of you in this room have gone through very dark experiences and you have not seen your dreams come to pass. But today God is breaking the bondage off. There's a breaker anointing. Somebody ought to say it's a breaking. Hallelujah. Let's look at the second promise of the breaker anointing. Say the breaker anointing is here tonight. Okay, let's look at the second promise. Isaiah 54, stay there and go to verse three. 
Notice what the Bible says, looking at verse 2 for context. The Bible says, enlarge the place of your tent. How many of you are getting ready to expand? Some of you say, you know what, I'm tired of living in this little place. I'm not just talking about your home or the size of the square feet. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about God getting ready to expand your dream. God getting ready to expand your purpose. God getting ready to stretch you out. God getting ready to bring you to a new glory. And somebody ought to shout the victory. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitation. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Watch the promise. You will break forth. Say breaker anointing. Say it's a day of breaking. You're going to break on the right and you're going to break on the left. Somebody ought to say I'm getting ready to break out of this bondage. I'm getting ready to break out of this spiritual condition. I am getting ready to break into something new that God has ordained for my life and somebody ought to give God the praise. Hallelujah. Oh, praise you, Jesus. We give you praise. Hallelujah. We give you glory. We give you honor because of your mighty, mighty works that are among us. Hallelujah. I want you to see the third promise of breaking. Go with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 45. And I want you to see in Isaiah chapter 45, the breaker anointing that God has for you tonight. Isaiah 45, looking at verses uh, one through three, but the breaking is going to be found in verse two. The Bible says, notice the word, thus saith the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand I have of holding. And uh, this is the name of Cyrus who's going to release the children of Israel out of captivity 200 years before he's born. All right. God already called him by name. He said, I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before you to make the crooked path straight. Now watch this. I will break in pieces the gates a brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. God is saying right now, the breaker anointing is breaking the bars that have held your dream hostage. You are about to break out of that place and somebody should give God the praise. Say this with me today on the 17th day. The day of the breaker anointing. The day of the breaking. Say this with me. Every dream that I've had before my God that has been locked up, that the enemy has barred up, my children that have been barred up, hallelujah, they're going to be set free. God is breaking the bars of iron. God is releasing our destiny. God is releasing your word. God is releasing your promise. God is releasing, hallelujah, and somebody should shout the victory and give God the praise. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus, for breakthrough. Say this with me. I thank you, Jesus, for breakthrough. All right. Promise number four. Is this four or five? Four. Promise number four. Go with me to Ezekiel chapter. Ezekiel chapter one. This is a time there's going to be a breaking in the heavens. Say it with me, a breaking in the heavens. How many of you want to see an open heaven over your life? That is revival. When the heavens are opened, hallelujah, the heavens are opened and the visions of God are revealed. I believe that there are many of you here about to get the visions of God revealed to you. And the Bible says, now it came to pass in the 30th year in what month? The fourth month. Okay, in the biblical calendar, we are in what month? This is today is the 17th day of? Fourth month. Okay, we're not on the secular calendar. Right now I'm talking about the biblical calendar. Right now we're in the? Okay, and what's happening in the fourth month? A breaking in the heavens. All the heavens were open. And I saw the visions of God. Raise your hand right now because I believe God's going to open an open heaven over so many of us that have been crying out for revival. Those of us that have been crying out for God to manifest his presence. Those of us that have been crying out for the Lord to reveal himself to our families, to our children. Lord, we pray for breakthrough. We pray that the heavens will break out the heavens lord god would break open oh god we praise you and we thank you that just as jesus stepped into the waters of baptism and the heavens were open let there be a breaking let the heavens not be shut up let the heavens be open over us god in the name of jesus shout the victory Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We give you praise, Lord. We give you glory. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, beloved saints, I want us to raise our hand. There are, the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, that the yoke is going to be broken because of the anointing. Say it with me. The yoke is going to be broken because of the anointing. Say this with me. The yoke represents bondage. But God's setting me free right now. In these 21 days of messianic miracles, hallelujah, the yoke is breaking. And promise number seven, tonight in Jesus' name, Father God, we give you thanks that the breaking is going to be, Lord God, the horn of oil is going to be poured over us. And God is going to break open the anointing over our life. There's going to be a breaking. And Father, we give you praise. Stand to your feet, beloved saints. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The Lord loves you so. The Lord loves you so. Just praise him. He is our hiding place. He is everything to us. And we want to praise him right now. Raise your hands toward heaven and receive this inauguration for the restoration in your life. Receive right now the anointing of these 21 days of messianic miracles. Lord, we praise you and we thank you.
and we give you glory. Lord, we thank you for the power of God. We worship you. We praise you. Lord, there are so many hurts inside of our lives. Lord, we need to have a broken heart and a contrite spirit before you. For some of us, we've been shut up. We've been closed. Some of us have been a little bit hard toward each other. Our hearts aren't broken. The Lord says the perfect sacrifice before God is to be tender. To have a broken heart and a contrite spirit before God, he will not despise it. Can we let the breaker anointing break us before God? Can we let the breaker anointing break our will? Can we let the breaker anointing break us down and say yes to God whenever he asks? Can we say, Lord, bend us, oh God, bend us. Oh God, break us before you, anything you ask. Right now, there may be some of us in this very room. There may be someone we need to forgive. There may be something God's asking us right now, beloved ones, something God's asking us to do. Something God is asking us to do that he wants us to do, that he's assigned us to do, that we don't want to do it. It's too hard. We know we may be persecuted, or we know we may not be accepted, or we know that it'll be much more difficult than what we planned. But we want to be broken before God. We want to be a people that are broken and yielded to the Holy Spirit, not broken in a sense of desperateness, but broken in a sense of yieldedness that our will would be given to God. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.